Welcome to our podcast. I'm Candace Nasser, and I'm the founder of MomQ. We're so blessed to have you with us here today, and I pray that God will speak to you with exactly the words that you need to hear in this message and that you will be encouraged. Hello, welcome to MomQ Week 9. And we are going to be talking about how can I raise content children. I'm Jermaine Ferreira and I am so privileged and thankful to Candice for giving me this opportunity to speak to you all. Um, I'm a professor. I've been a professor for over seven years and I teach pathophysiology and cardiopulmonary physical therapy. And I'm very comfortable talking about the heart and the human body, but talking about God's word, it's kind of daunting and I'm a little nervous, so show me some grace here. So I have been a member at Hill Country Bible Church for over 20 years. Um, My husband, Labish, and I have been married for 28 years, and we have two grown sons who are almost 24 and one is 21 and they're both away from home studying at university so yeah I have made mistakes in raising my kids and I've learned and um, you know some of the things have been great you didn't think you had the support that time and now when you see the fruit of it and you're thankful to God for taking that part so I have uh, things to share which will highlight Yes, this is what we did, and it worked, and I wish we had done it differently for some things. So let's move on. What is the definition of contentment? Think about it. What do we mean by being content? Contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. You know, I rarely watch TV, but I just got back from a trip and I was by myself. So I had the TV on all the time and there are all these channels. I normally don't watch TV, so I just put it on the safest channel, HGTV. And I was doing my work, but I had that channel on so that I didn't feel I was by myself. Um, And what I noticed is there are all these talks about clean your house and you do this and you'll feel happy and you're going to feel content and what was the rage a couple of years ago minimalistic rage the hike designers hike designers from scandinavia talked about clean lines and what did we do we cleaned all the clutter we got rid of it approached a minimalistic approach we took care of so many of those things which were adding more stress to our life. And we had just a few things, but those few things did not look like what the designers were talking about. So we got rid of even that. And then we go out and buy the minimalistic approach of what somebody else thinks is going to make us happy or content. A couple of years roll around, and now it's no longer the minimalistic approach. They're talking about maximalistic approach. So... Is your contentment the latest fad or the latest trend? Your contentment has an emotional basis, a mental basis. But really, it's within you, your acceptance of your condition of your life. 
you may choose to experience happiness that is like oh i'm j- i just went for this trip or i am going on this vacation and that is going to make me happy that is what is happening right now or what you're looking forward to a situation but joy is something more joy is how you look at your situation irrespective of there are occasions or things that are making you happy but joy is finding contentment in the present day living a life of gratitude despite what is going on emotionally mentally or in your surroundings i like to think of joy as j for putting jesus first o for putting others first and then y yourself working on yourself so contentment is a collective state of happiness satisfaction acceptance and being one with your body mind and soul when i talk about being one with your body mind and soul i'm not talking about the new new age thing i'm talking about one with the lord okay let's spend a few minutes reflecting so you have your handout and i want you to just reflect on what makes you feel content that's one question and then the next question is what makes your child feel content and i will share some things write it down and then maybe you get into your groups and when you discuss it you may notice that there are some things which i didn't discuss but you'll get start a discussion on that what makes you feel content is it that dream house or maybe you have that dream house or is it the furniture is kind of dated and you want to update your furniture or is it that perfect weight once i lose those additional 7 pounds or is it that new car the new latest car or maybe you have that new car and now you're worried about all the monthly payments you've got to make or how you're going to pay it off what is it that makes you feel content is it that next masters degree or that next phd or is it the comments on facebook or is it how you spend your time i remember how busy it used to be when our boys were at home and they were going to school and involved in all these extracurricular activities there was some party on friday afternoon say the soccer was ending and they were having a party and then saturday was something else we had church activity we had all these games and as you know being indian we had our indian circle of friends and you're trying to please everybody make a conscious effort that you are not like planning to meet someone on friday saturday afternoon saturday evening sunday afternoon and you're really missing out missing out with your time precious time with your family you know we talk about fear of missing out don't worry about missing out with others are you missing out time with your family your kids are going to be with you for a little li- while make the best of that time so what is it that makes you feel content remember there are some people who make 60000 live within their means are and are very content and then you have this other individual who's making over 200000 cannot live within their means and i'm never content 
there is nothing wrong with improving, working hard, setting goals, and growing financially. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong when we are making that our idol, when we are not putting God first and we are making our goal to constantly improve our idol. There's nothing wrong with that, but your priorities. We've always heard about that, uh, you know, be a good steward of God's money, the value in tithing. But one thing we all have equal is 24 hours, our time. Be a good steward of your time. Now to the next question, what makes your child feel content? Maybe it's the same things that your child is observing in you. This kind of a parallel. They are observing and learning from us as being moral. Are we finding our identity in nice stuff, in designer clothes, in what we wear, what other people think of us, in our perfect weight, in our education, our degrees, our comments on Facebook? our acceptance, our fear of missing out, they're watching all these things. Are they seeing that our identity is in all these worldly things or is our identity in Christ? They are either going to follow us or as they grow up, they're going to see how we live and want to go exactly the opposite because they know how much joy it's not bringing us. Next thing I wanted to want you to think about is the cause of your discontentment things you cannot control what I feel is it's not really things you cannot control most of it is things that you can control it's what other people think some of us are so preoccupied about what other people think I remember like during Thanksgiving there's all these ads just before you're watching the news or after the news about changing your furniture and everybody's like, oh, I have visitors. This is the best time to update my dining room and my living room. You know, your visitors really don't care whether your table is from Pottery Barn or your old 20-year-old table. They care about how you make them feel. You spend a whole bunch of money on the furniture but your hospitality is really poor or your words are not kind to them, that's what people care about. So same way, you don't have to worry or constantly be worried about what people think about you. Same thing with social media, Facebook. It's not other people who make us happy. Focus less on those things and focus on the things that are most important. Your time with God, your time praying, your time in scripture, your time to realizing your responsibilities, whether it's towards yourself, your husband, your kids, your work. Are you doing what society dictates or is your action, your lifestyle, God's truth? When we do things what society dictates and not what God wants us to, we are succumbing to the peer pressure. 
we talk about our teenage kids, you know, the peer pressure is getting to them. It's getting to all of us. Of course, sometimes the discontentment could be because of health issues. But I want you to realize that a very, very, very small part of our, our health issues is out of our control. A very small part of our health issues is related to genetics. The rest of it is all within our control. The lifestyle choices we make. How much we exercise, how much we eat, what we breathe, the stress we subject our lives to, that all contributes to our health. A very small percentage is, I couldn't help it. I have those genes. So, you see, a lot of the cause of our contentment is within our control. Next question I want you to reflect on is, what qualities of contentment and discontentment do your children observe in you? Your children are observing you. They are observing your state of happiness or unhappiness, your attitude of complaining, lack of gratitude, or your attitude that is full of gratefulness. They are watching whether you are always desiring more and constantly feeling dissatisfied or just being content. They are watching you whether your focus is on the world or on God. The best way to teach your kids is to model the behavior. We tell our children to be grateful and thankful. Do we model that? You know, you can send them to the best school or the best church which has the best Sunday school program and it won't work because they are there for one hour, one and a half hour or two hours and then they return home and they're watching us and we do not model that behavior they've learned in God's word or in Sunday school. Do they see us being grateful to God Praising God for our wealth. Telling stories of how God blessed us. Or do they see the pride talking in us? You know, I really worked so hard. And I started at this and, and there's no trace of gratefulness to God. There's nothing wrong in working hard. And nothing wrong in recognizing the fruits of working hard. But do we owe it to all are doing or do we recognize God's hand? Do they see us worried about what we wear, our designer clothes or name brand stuff? And, you know, some of us may not want designer clothes, but we want something else. Some people may not. They want the latest technology. They can't do with the older technology because the latest one is just out two months ago or a week ago. Do our kids see that we are constantly after financial means? Do they see us tithing? Do they see us wanting the best material, financial things for ourselves? Splurging on that. But when it comes to time to giving somebody else... We take on this frugal approach or now we are all of a sudden concerned about sticking to our budget. Do they see us giving others? Are we constantly focused on 
who replied to my text, who replied to my Facebook post. Do they see us getting offended if we are not included in some friendship or some event? Do they see us complaining about the body God has given us or our features or our self-image? They are watching everything we do. Like little sponges, just as we say they are little sponges and they learn so much from whatever books we expose them or whatever TV we expose them to, they are learning from us too. The sponge theory applies to what they observe with us too. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He is always with us in all circumstances. Be content. Be faithful. Nothing wrong with having money. But don't model the love for your money to your children. Teach them to be financially responsible. There are rich people in the Bible. Job, King David. They were rich, but they did not have the love of money. The love of money is the issue. 1 Timothy 6 verses 6 to 8 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Practice contentment with whatever God has given you. Your house, your job, your position in life, your abilities, your opportunities and your blessing. Even with material things, a Christian may uh, genuinely, legitimately strive to work hard to improve his or her condition uh, to the best of his or her ability, but always in contentment. God provides us for all the things we need in life. When we are not content and we are constantly striving, then we are taking it's taking another turn of covetousness that is misplaced contentment desires and aims for wealth and riches with that constant state of ungratefulness that is not contentment okay if you're hungry eat the food right we crave food we eat it we're satisfied but if we continue to eat, then we're going to have a health problem. Same thing. He's given us what we need. Be satisfied. Be happy. Be content. If we continue to crave more, that is an unhealthy state. Teach your children to live within their means. Model what it costs to buy a particular item. and Teach your children, we, we can afford it, but do we need it? Or, you know, we cannot afford it and we d- we'll wait. Even though we need it, we'll try and wait. Teach your children those examples. There was a time, uh, you know, I had shopping at the domain to buy a gift for another person and I saw this vineyard vine store had a sale and it said, whale of a sale. And 
I have never bought those shirts for my sons because it's ridiculously expensive. So I said, oh my gosh, it's a sale. Let me go and buy it. So I bought two cotton shirts and I brought it home to both the boys. And I was like, I got it on sale. And they're like, we're not wearing that shirt. I was like, why? I got it on sale and it was 75% off. And they're like, we're not wearing that shirt. I do not want somebody to see me in that shirt and think I do not value my money, that I could blow my money on that shirt. So I took it back. And you can't return stuff for whale of a sale. And I told her, oh my gosh, I didn't know. And she felt sorry for me, the saleswoman, and took it back. You know I'm not entering that store again. So sometimes, you know, our kids are learning. I feel good that my boys did not put that value in the in all those material things. Teach your children what it means to wait and do without a material thing. Just because their friends have it, they do not have to have it. Just because your lady friends from your small group or your Bible study have this Kendra Scott jewelry or whatever the next jewelry thing is, you don't have to have it. You can wait. You know, um, when our kids were growing up, everybody had an iPod or had some technology with them. And we chose to be the couple that did not want to have the technology. Um, so we'd go for some party and my sons would always complain. We are going to be with all the kids and they're all going to be playing on, the dev on their devices. And we're going to get bored. So we always carried a book and left it in the car but never took it out. We said, okay, worst comes to worst. If you're that bored, we'll get you a book. But what we realized is we took them into the party and they really didn't sit with the kids. They sat with the adults. They knew what it is to shake hands. They knew what it is to make eye contact and talk to people. They were not stuck on their iPods or their phones, like where people are just texting each other and never making eye-to-eye -eye contact. And so we had these two young men who were very, very mature for their age group. They could carry better co conversation with adults than the kids their age. Psalm 37, verse 3 to 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. No matter how busy you are, put God first. Let your kids see it. Talk to them about putting God first. Model it. Soccer. Oh my gosh, my kids were big into soccer at Lone Star. And they would have games on Sunday. One boy had a game, and we had to miss first hour. The other boy had another game, we had to miss second hour. We stopped doing that. We just told the team, I'm so sorry, we will be missing the game. Because, you know, we have two conflicting schedules, and we cannot make it to church. And of course, don't, don't get me wrong, my boys dressed in soccer gear sometimes. We came to church, and then right away we hopped in the car and went for soccer. But we gave our boys this message that games don't take priority over worship. And I'm sure there were a whole bunch of parents who were upset with us. And I'm sure the soccer coaches, some of them were upset with us too. But what are they going to do? Force us? Nobody can force us to do anything. Be faithful to him. Be faithful to God, to the time you owe him. 
James 3.16 says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. This verse gives us an outcome of how to operate. You know, envy and self-seeking thing is really, it's not motivation, it's a motivational sin. Again, self-improvement is very different. Self-improvement, contentment is one side. The other side is envy, selfishness, covetousness. So reflect and think. Your desire for growth, is it self-improvement or is it envy and selfishness? Teach your children to live according to the rules you and your husband desire for your home based on God's truth, not based on what society thinks. I cannot tell you how much we are thankful that we delayed all these smart devices. When our kids were in first grade and kindergarten, there were a whole bunch of parents who would kind of, you know, talk to us like with this tone, like we didn't know what we were doing or kind of give us advice. And one of the things was exposing the kids to technology. And I did it the old-fashioned way. We had little Bible study time. I picked up our Bible. My husband got his Bible when he was young uh, from um, his family, which had all these pictures. I would spend Bible time with them every day. Okay, And uh, I could have done it on a computer or some video game, but I chose to do it the old-fashioned way. And the amount of talk I heard from other parents about, you know, your ca- child is going to be left behind because you're not exposing them to the computer. And my husband and I thought, we came from India, we came to America, we caught up. The technology was very different then in India, and then suddenly we caught, got caught up with everything, and I think we are doing pretty okay. So we said we'll be fine. And we just, you know, brushed off everybody's advice, were very thankful for it but decided what we're going to do. We did not expose them to a whole lot of smart devices. Our kids got their smart devices like right after 10th grade when they were leaving home. And it has been so good. My kids are not behind. Like They've not been left behind with technology. They're fine. So don't cave into what society dictates. Do your research. And if it is conflicting with biblical truth, By all means, go with God's truth because that always withstands the test of time. Model placing God first, whether it's camping, whether it's going for parties. You know, we are so good about telling our kids, this is your bedtime, you've got to sleep by this time during the weekday because you've got to be alert and awake to pay attention to what is going on in class. But on Saturday, you can sleep till however late. And is that okay? They are like so sleepy in church that they're not listening. Model, encourage, putting God first and giving importance to God too. Like-minded behavior. I would ask you to tread with caution here. I w- you know, we as Christians... We know God, we, we are saved. I know the truth, I know about my salvation, so 
what is the purpose of me living here? I, sh- I should be with God, right? Praising Him. If just being in worship. But God has ke- kept us behind because we are here to share the truth with others for His kingdom, living for His kingdom. And as you share the truth, I would encourage you to get out of your Christian bubble. Be aware that the rest of the world is not thinking like you. Be aware and share and without judgment be kind and share first through your actions. But be aware that the enemy is very powerful. The moment you feel you are getting overpowered and they are influencing you more than you are influencing them, it's time to get out. And that's what I told my kids to. That the moment you are trying to teach a friend through your actions, great. But the moment you feel, oh my gosh, this friend is not listening and I'm getting influenced by what they think, which is not Christ-like, I said it's time to step back. That's why I put that uh, birds of a feather flock together. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Put your trust in him. Surrender to him. Put him first. And choose Christ. Not your will, but the Father's will be done in your life, in your role as a parent, in your role as a wife, in your role as a mother, in your role if you're working, in your role at your place of work. Ask that his will be done. Put him first. Mary surrendered to God. Be it unto me according to thy word, as per Luke 1, verse 38. Every sacrifice that Mary made for Jesus, he made infinitely more for her. So if you are thinking you're doing this for the Lord, he has done much, 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 much more for you. Jesus surrendered to God when he said in Matthew uh, 26, 39, not as I will, but as you will. He came down from his heavenly throne, separated from God, God incarnate, Son of God, came down, not in a palace. He experienced poverty, shame. Although he was without sin, without defect, and he is our Lamb of God. He paid the price for our sins. He surrendered to God's will. Even on that last day, praying, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. He surrendered to God's will. So think about surrendering to the Lord Jesus, if you have not done so. In the words of Timothy Keller, our greatest motive for surrendering to him cannot be for what he will do in us. It must be to love him for what he did for us. You cannot have this thing like, oh Lord, I'm going to surrender my life to you. And now you're going to take care of me. He's already taken care of you. He's already paid the price for your salvation. Teach your children to surrender to him in every area of their life. Not just spiritual growth, but not just health. Their school, their sports, every little thing. And you lift your kids in prayer. Pray for their spiritual growth. Pray for their health. Pray for them being with right friends. 
pray for their sports achievements or their educational achievements and pray that God will bring the right life partner at the right time. What is the secret to contentment? The secret to contentment is Christ. Christ is the only true source for complete contentment. Any other version is coming up short. Contentment does not mean we cannot desire for change. It means being satisfied with what Christ has provided for us. The strength and secret to contentment can only come from God, the true living God. Start your day with him. Spend time with the Lord. Read his word. Put him first. Put God's armor on you. The first thing you wake up, put his armor on you to protect your heart, your mind, your body, how you speak, how you act, how you think. And let your kids see this. Do not do in sec- this in secret. Let your kids see it. I want to end with the strength and secret to contentment can only come from God. You know, we pray about some things. We've got problems. We all have problems. Some of us have problems with a capital T and some of us with a lowercase t. So we've all got problems. Do we go to God if we have these lowercase p problems? Or do we go to God only if it's these uppercase p problems? Do we take every problem to him? Or... Do we take the problem to him and we say, okay, now I think you've helped me and I got it now. I I can manage without you. Don't wallow or try to figure things out all on your own. Give it all to him. Put him first and he will direct you. The strength and secret to contentment can only come from God. Put him first. Spend time with him. Read his word. And you will experience contentment from our Lord Jesus. Thank you, ladies.